Welcome to AM Best Audio. In higher education, the scope of institution-owned art can extend far beyond the walls of a campus museum. Today, those art collections are wide-reaching, including everything from Tiffany stained glass windows and findings from archaeological digs to the Heisman Trophy. I'm Lori Chortis for Ambass TV. When evaluating an inventory of art and risk exposures, it's important for college and university experts to consider a variety of factors, such as how the art is valued and whether the collection is large enough to warrant a separate fine arts insurance policy. Joining us now to talk about that is Stacy Kroll, Managing Director of the Higher Education Practice at Gallagher. Stacy, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me, Lori. I'm, I'm happy to represent fine arts and higher education. It's certainly a, an ongoing uh, challenge for our clients, so happy to represent. Can you provide an overview of fine arts risk exposures facing higher education institutions today? Yeah, I think you touched on some of it, actually. Um, but, you know, in higher ed in particular, our exposures extend beyond the four walls of our museum, just as you said. Um, and I think generally, when we think about fine arts, we think about things that are on the walls within the museum and controlled with museum um, security and other kind of controls. But in higher ed, art is part of our culture and it's disseminated throughout our campus. So, um, you know, you can walk by fine art every day with a cup of coffee and not even realize. Uh, so you had mentioned stained glass, uh, Heisman trophies, right? Sculptures. Um, again, there was a infamous sculpture that I used to walk by every day to get a cup of coffee when I was on a college campus and didn't even realize that it was a you know, world famous artist. So um, yeah, it's everywhere. It can be in faculty offices um, for decorative purposes. We have art collections that are mobilized from classroom to classroom in order to teach our students about art and to have them actually interact with art. So we have things that are mobile throughout our campus. Um, my favorite pocket of fine art personally is uh, archives and special collections. Um, so within the confines of your library, uh, we actually, institutions of higher ed, uh, are owners of um, world and American history uh, through written pieces, whether it's first folios of famous authors or perhaps it's speeches or, um, you know, uh, written orations of, um, you know, world history changing uh, speeches can be right in our confines. So it's everywhere and anywhere. Um, and I think we're, you know, I think you, you've hit it or perfectly in the intro, but um, you know, we really need to be thinking beyond the walls of our museums. When colleges and universities conduct a fine arts inventory to determine the risk exposures, what are some best practices and what are some potential pitfalls? Yeah, I think pitfalls, uh, we can start with pitfalls, right? But I think pitfalls are certainly underestimating or overestimating the valuation. Um, you know, to that point about getting a cup of coffee next to the sculpture that has, you know, a seven, seven number uh, price point attached to it uh, is certainly one example, but then also overvaluation. Uh, and we're going to, I think we're going to talk about gifts a little bit later, but um, we're gifted these pieces and uh, a lot of times, and we're not quite sure what the valuation is. So we take the artist's uh, recommendation evaluation if they're a living artist, um, or perhaps it's even someone who had acquired the piece for a particular price point. And we need to verify that. We need to validate that with um, you know, market, uh, market conditions and what that piece, what 
similar like kind and quality will go for in today's art market. So I think valuation is probably one of the biggest pitfalls. Best practices, I would say um, just finding the art, working with your people on campus to find the art, uh, to locate it. So first stop is curators. If you have a museum, talk to your curators because even if they um, are, they're focused on the things within the, the four walls and the confines of your museum, but they can help identify pieces that would have value outside that. Um, if you don't have a museum on campus, a lot of institutions will work through their facilities management staff and essentially walk campus and just do a tour with facilities, uh, perhaps even your, um, your cleaning staff, uh, because those folks are the ones who know where every piece of dust and every corner is located. And while they may not be as well versed in the valuation of what's high value versus kind of just traditional art, um, they can at least point it out and bring it to your attention so that you can start digging in on uh, what is the valuation, how should insurance cover it, what are the what are the risks to that piece of art as it's currently installed? Um, you can start doing the risk assessment piece by piece. How do issues of provenance and rightful ownership come into play for higher ed institutions? Provenance is such such an uh, it's an ongoing issue. So as I had said, you know, institutions of higher education, we receive our art a couple different ways. Arguably, the most prominent way that art comes in our position is through gifts and donations. So we've been receiving art for centuries um, through this, you know, through this mechanism. So alumni or local community members or faculty or staff, they'll gift a piece of art or a collection that's in their um, in their possession. Now, today, moving forward, I think a lot of institutions have implemented a standardized gift acceptance policy where they're validating the ownership before it comes into our possession. However, um, you know, recent spotlights, uh, pr particular provenance issues currently is um, items that originally belong to Native Americans and have ended up in higher education possession. So it's certainly brought a spotlight to the issue. Um, and a lot of folks are looking at those collections, those items, that we had before we put this standardized gift acceptance policy in place where we were validating. And if there's a concern of things in our possession before we had that process in place, then perhaps an audit is necessary where we're going back and we're saying, how did we come by owning this? Um, how did this come into our possession? Can we trace back the provenance? Um, I think this is probably gonna be an emerging risk too, as we think through how provenance comes into question we saw a lot of provenance discussions around World War II um, and um, art that was acquired through the invasions of World War II. And I think we're gonna see something similar with the Russia and Ukraine conflict of how that art is acquired, where it goes once it's acquired through that conflict um, and the path of that. So I think, you know, again, kind of focusing today forward, I think focusing on your gift acceptance policy taking a look at that, making sure that we're verifying that. And then for backwards things, I think an audit, um, if you feel like you might have things in your possession that could have originated from um, things such as conflict or um, original ownership through Native Americans, you know, an audit is necessary. Um, but, you know, again, I think it's just taking a look at what you have and just asking good questions of how do we get this? What is it? Where did it origi originate from? Um, and I'll tell you, a lot of the headlines that we're seeing around provenance is institutions of higher ed gifting these items back to their original, their point of origin. 
So we've seen a lot of institutions of higher education give back um, art to Native American tribes um, and reservations of where they originated. Um, and we're seeing something similar with um, art acquired through conflict in, in similar manners. How should higher education institutions consider and manage an emerging risk like vandalism? So vandalism is an emerging risk in fine arts that hasn't quite hit our college campuses yet. So um, what we've seen is social justice activists have started vandalizing very high valued pieces of fine art in order to bring attention to their particular initiative. Currently, it's focused on taking action to disrupt climate change. Again, while these things haven't hit college campuses, um, I would not be surprised if um, these things did end up on our front step, just given our operations and um, the social justice that happens within our campus communities. I think evaluating risk and thinking about how this would impact your campus starts with a risk assessment goes back to identifying those pieces of fine art. What do you have in your position, uh, possession? What are the controls in place for those pieces of art? Are they adequately protected um, from some of these examples of vandalism that we've seen? And then also the other piece of that is what's the likelihood that this uh, social justice movement might end up uh, happening on your campus? Is this a movement that your campus community aligns with? Is, it, is there uh, affiliation with this movement? Um, so when you're conducting the risk assessment and looking at both the exposures you have and then the likelihood that this could happen on your campus, if you determine that you're at a moderate risk level, um, you probably should be looking at your controls and thinking about how to shore those up um, and protecting you. And of course, it all goes down to risk appetite and what you're willing to invest in for controls and just taking a, a reasonable approach. But, um, but it all starts with just thinking through um, what do we have and what's the likelihood that this is actually gonna happen in one of our museums. How would colleges and universities determine if their collections warrant a separate fine arts insurance policy? I get this question a lot, um, as you can imagine. Um, however, the, the question, you know, it's a great question. The question is primarily, when I get it, is primarily focused on an analysis of, I have X dollar value of art on my campus. Does it warrant taking it off of my property policy and putting it on a fine arts policy? However, um, I think the, the analysis has to go beyond that, um, beyond just valuation. Um, fine, arts is, fine arts policies are more than just replacement cost. Um, the first step is taking a look at your property policy with your broker. Does the value of your fine art have to be scheduled on your policy or do you have blanket coverage? Um, I would scenario play different types of losses with your broker. How would the policy respond if there was water damage? What would the repair and restoration process look like? What would that coverage look like? How would the res policy respond in an event of theft? What if the item that was stolen was one of uh, irreplaceable um, value? So it's a one of a kind item. Will your policy uh, step in for like kind and quality, understanding that the original diaries of George Washington, uh, you can't find another one of those. So what do you, how's your property policy respond to things like that? How does your policy respond to uh, losses incurred as a result of packaging? or transporting materials? Is it still covered while in transit? 
um, most fine arts claims are actually for repair or restoration. It's not for replacement. So in some cases, you will have a total loss though. I, I shared the example of the, the George Washington diary. If that's submerged underwater and is not uh, repairable and you wanna find something similar, how's your policy gonna respond to that? Um, what steps need to be in place to ensure that you're um, shoring up your collection to be consistent with its original intent? Stacy, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. That was Stacy Kroll, Managing Director of Gallagher's Higher Education Practice. For AMBAS TV, I'm Lori Chortis. Looking to get the full attention of the insurance industry? We have the platforms that will do just that. Whether it be AMBEST TV, AM Best Audio, Best Review Magazine, or Best Day. Find out more by calling AM Best Advertising Sales at 908-439-2200, extension 5399, and have a great day.